If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, please. And I debated whether to continue with this because we've already had the message live. Um, when Carrie was sharing, I'm like, you know, did you see my notes? Which she hasn't seen them. And everything that has transpired. But when she started off and... Um, and I'm just like, and here's the ironic thing is because, you know, you put the message together and then last night I was just like, God, is this really you? I mean, like, and then I woke up this morning thinking, is there anything I need to change? And uh, no, there isn't. So I'm so grateful for that. And uh I mean, you'll, you'll hear the part that she stole from me. I mean, that the Holy Spirit gave to her. <clears throat> but I'm still on the theme of one thing because we've been interrupted with that. So, um, And we've been talking about the fact that this world is full of distractions to get our minds off of God. And it doesn't take much with all of the electronics that are going on around us and stuff. And, um, you know, they declared that it was going to make our life easier. It was going to make our life, our work easier. And, you know, to a certain point, it has. But in making our life easier for work and different things, it's also added a whole bunch of stuff that we never had before. You know, and... Um, I know I've talked to you about Google and some of you keep telling me why I Googled this and found the answer. Well, I'm happy for you. I'm very happy for you. And, um, but I just wonder if we ever Google God. You know, do we ever ask Him? Do we ever search His Word out? You know, it's easy to just get on and Google it, but what does He say? Because whatever you're looking for in this world to justify your actions, you can find it on Google. But you can't always find it in God's Word. Whew. So we're opened up to a, a lot more distractions as well. And uh, I just want to challenge you this morning as we embrace on a new month in this new year, it's still fairly young, to... Take some time to set your phone, your iPad, your or your tablet, whatever it is, your computer. Let it go. Just sit, you know, just sit in a chair with nothing. And don't turn the TV on either. And then just let God love on you. Because that's what He wants to do. And, and can I tell you something? That's what you need the most right now. You do. And I know that for a fact because I need to know that He loves me more and more. I, I want to know that more and more. So, and the only way you do that is to spend time with Him. And, you know, we, ha we think we're so smart that we can multitask. That we can hear God while we're playing games on our phone or on our, or on our tablet. Just give it a rest. Let the distractions go. Just sit and relax and talk with God. 
And I have this in the note. You know, if you're afraid to talk with God alone, then find somebody, find a friend that will talk with you with Him. You know, find somebody that will sit with you and we will just sit together and we'll hear God. And we'll let Him tell, you, tell us how much He loves us. So if you can't do it on your own, then find somebody to help you. It's okay. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. We've looked at this before, but I just want to refresh your memory. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure, treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And as he's sharing this, he's talking about, you know, not laying up the things of this world, you know, because we put so much emphasis on them. And we think that if I just had this, if I just get this, or if this was just a little bit newer, then I would be happy. And you are for a moment. And then that gets old, and then you have to find something else again to make you happy. And um, it's okay to have nice things in this world too, and I believe that that glorifies God. But in Matthew chapter 6, here, and then we're going to see some more, he talks about it's okay to have them, but those things can't have us. Where we're pursuing them and we're forgetting about God. And we, we have so much invested in things that we don't invest in God. And that's what he's saying here. And, and can I tell you the things that don't rust out and moth and rust doesn't come in and, and destroy is people. Invest in people. Find people. And what we set our hearts on is what we are going to spend our time and money on. And so, it's just like what we look for is exactly what we find. What we spend our time on, what we spend our money on, that's where our treasure is. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And so we need to take inventory of what we're spending our time on and what we're spending our money on. And, you know, take inventory and then begin to make the necessary changes. Because we can get so distracted by trying to gather all the things that God says He will give us anyways. The things that He says that He knows we need anyways. He'll give them to us. He'll add them to our lives. But He will only add them to our lives when we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And that brings us to Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. And, you know, you can go read the few verses before this because He's talking about being anxious. He's talking about thinking about all the things of this world and what you got to do. 
And then in verse 31, he says this, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Okay, so he knows we need them, right? Okay. We're all in agreement with that. So we know, he knows that we need them all. We need to have something to eat. We need to have something to drink. We need to have something to wear. All right. He knows that. Verse 33. But, if I say but. All right. See, you can say that in church. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And I'm not a, he's not saying here, don't work hard. He's not saying here, don't be good with your finances. He's not saying that. But what he's saying is, is when we seek him first, when we put him first, when he's the first thing on our mind, then he's going to begin to add these things to our lives. And we don't have to get distracted trying to figure out how we're going to get them. He's just going to bring them into our lives. Hallelujah. And because of that, verse 34 says, Therefore, if I say therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And, you know, so my point is, is just relax. Begin to put him first and let him take care of the things that need to be added to your life. Okay? You'll be much happier. Part of our struggle in seeking God and His kingdom and His righteousness first and having Him add all these things to us that we need for our lives is that it takes faith. And faith takes trust. And trust takes knowing that you are loved. We have to trust God for these things. If we're going to put Him first, if we're going to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, His ways, His thoughts, His plans, His purposes for our lives, that means we have to have faith, which means that we have to trust Him. And in order to trust Him, we have to know that He loves us. We have to know that His plans for us are good. And we are people who seem to like independence more than dependence, at least when it comes to trusting God. It's amazing to me that we will trust God with our salvation, but then after we get saved, we think that there's all these works that we have to do, and it's all dependent upon us. And we become independent upon God and not dependent upon Him. That doesn't make sense. We know we need Him for salvation, but after we get saved, we don't need Him anymore. Oh yes, you do. You need Him more. The best life that we will ever live is a life that is dependent upon Him, that is trusting Him. And can I ask you a question? How horrible is it for us to trust God? 
How bad is that for your life? To trust Him. You know, some of us have this mindset that that's the worst thing that could happen to us. That we have to trust God. Why? I mean, do we... This is where I think that we forget after we get saved, you know, we check our minds out and they go somewhere. Get them back. Let Him renew them. He's the creator of the universe. He's the creator of the world. The Scripture says that He holds all things together. If He holds all things together, everything that you see, He holds it all together, you don't think you can trust Him for today and tomorrow? What is wrong with us? The Bible says that He knows what we have need of even before we know that we need them and He gives them to us. He's already provided the answer and we act like it's the worst thing in the world to have to trust God. Like it's like there's something wrong with us. Like He's a crutch. He is! You aren't that great. It's okay to rely on Him. He gives us breath. He gives us life. And then we act like we don't need Him for your bills. Like you don't need Him when you go to work. What a joy and what a privilege it is for us to trust God for our lives. I mean, just think about this for a moment. Who else can you trust in your life to work out good out of your life? I don't know anybody who can do what He can do in my life. There's nobody that I can trust that is greater than Him. It is so amazing to me because Romans chapter 12 says, or chapter 8, he tells us that for those who love God, he works all things out for our good. That means he takes my sins, he takes my, my failures, he takes my stupid decisions, and I create all kind of messes for him. And he says, but if you'll just trust me, I'll take all of those and I'll turn them around for your good. Who else do you know in your life can do that? I don't know anybody who can. And then we act like it's such a burden to trust God. <laughs> I don't know how it is in your life, but I know how it is in my life. I can barely make good out of my good stuff. But he'll take my bad stuff. He'll take all the crazy things that I've done or thought, tried to do, tried to help. He'll take all of that and he'll turn it around and use it for my good. I don't know anybody else. Just think for a moment, what would happen in our lives if we believed that God really loves us? 
And I'm telling you, Diana didn't know that I was saying this. We sang that song. God really loves us. But you know what? You go home today and you need to sing it. God really loves me. Get in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Point to yourself. He really loves you. But here's where the rubber meets the road. And I think part of the reason that God wants us to draw close to Him is because He wants to reveal His love to us. But part of the reason we don't draw close to God is is we're afraid that He's going to reject us. He's afraid that we are afraid that He's going to treat us like everybody else has. We're afraid that He's going to hold our mistakes, our sins, our failures, our stupid decisions. We think He's going to hold them against us like everybody else does. And he's not like that at all. He doesn't hold them against us. When we give our life to him, he washes us. When we repent of them, he takes care of them. And, you know, somehow in in our Christian mind, we have this thought that he only forgives the sins that we did before we came to know him. No, no, that's not true. He'll forgive all the sins that you repent of. Even after you got saved, because he knows you're not perfect. He remembers that you're just like a flower. You're here today and gone tomorrow. You, you're, um, you know, our, we, we perceive that God is going to be like all the people that we've had to deal with. And so we don't want to draw close to him. You know, we have these fears. We have this anxiety because we think God is going to respond to us like everybody else has. And so we just think, okay, well, you know, I don't I don't want him to reject me. So I'm just going to go on. And so we need to have a greater understanding of how much God really loves us. And. The more understanding that we have of how much he loves us, the greater our trust will be of him. You know, and I, I've told you this before. I don't know why God loves you. I, I don't have a clue except for the fact that I don't know why he loves me either. And you're just like me. But I know that I'm made in his likeness and in his image. I know that I was created by him and for him. And because of that, I know that he loves me. And because I know that he loves me, I know that he loves you. And the the more we know that He loves us, the less we're going to try and fill that void with other things of this world that cause us to be more distracted from Him. When we don't know that He loves us, when we don't know that we can trust Him, then we have to start finding these things that will make us happy. And, and so we, we start doing that. 
And, you know, we just need to stop and we need to relax. We just need to sit before him and enjoy the fact that he loves us. You know, I told you that, you know, I mean, I was hounding God. God, why do you love me? Why do you love me? Why do you love me? And finally, he said to me, would you quit wondering why I love you and just let me love you? Just enjoy it. And from that moment on, it's been much better. You see, we, we try to, when we don't know that he loves us, then we try to do all of these things that, for him to get our attention so that we can prove to him that we're lovable. <laughs> well, you're not. At least not by the things you're doing. You are because he made you. And you are because he died for you. I can't tell you how many Christians I know that I've met that are still trying to do things for God so that he would love them instead of just enjoying that fact that he loves them. And we think that we have to have these great ministries so everyone knows that God is with us and that God really loves us. Well, how about your ministry at your work? How about the ministry of doing the dishes at home? How about the, the ministry of, of washing your clothes? You know, we, we think that we have to do all this great thing for God and then He'll really love us. Well, no, He already loves you. How about just relaxing for a moment and enjoy the truth that He loves you? When we know He loves us, we stop striving to fill that void of the love with things and doing things to prove we're lovable. And I, the last time we were together that we were sharing a message, you know, um, when, you, when you draw close to God, He doesn't start talking to you about all your excuses. You know, like, I mean, like our excuses. <laughs> you know, we tell Him, God, I can't do this because, you know, this happened to me. You know, and then we have a list of reasons why, you know, we can't do things and He doesn't love us. You know, and he, he's never talked to me about that. You know what he talks to me about? What his word says about me. And, and we're going to get into that in just a minute. I remember when our kids were younger. And Diane and I would always tuck them into bed. And, you know, we usually read to them beforehand. Then we'd tuck them into bed. And then I would hang around. And... Um, on a regular basis, and by regular, you know, I'm talking like um, probably every day. It wasn't like once a month or something like that. It wasn't once a week. It was like every night. I would get with them individually. And I would start talking to them about the, the day that they were born. And I'd start telling them how excited mom and dad were. And then we would tell them, oh, you know, God has great plans for you. But we always told them this. I always told them this. I said, you know, as much as mom and dad love you, God loves you even more. And as much as we look forward to the plans and the purposes that he, he has for you, he's got the real ones. And 
So it started off talking about how excited we were, but it ended up about how excited God was that they were here and that He was going to get a chance to flow through them. And greater is He that is in them than he that's in this world. And, and, and I did that all the time. If you were to ask them, they could probably repeat it. And I did that because to think, if I love them that much, how much more does God love them? How greater are His plans than the plans we think we have for them? As thrilled as we were to have them, how much more is God thrilled that they're here and that they belong to Him? That you're here. That you belong to Him. What joy that has to bring to His heart. And then we just sit there and we look at Him and we say, God, I'm not worthy. God, you shouldn't love me. I dare you this week. I double dog dare you. Well, you can't say double cat. I was looking at Debbie when I said that. I figured I might get in trouble. I dare you to take time to be still this week. And know that he is God. And let him tell you the things that were on his heart. When he created you. How special you are to Him and how much He really loves you. I I dare you. I dare you to do that. I can tell you something though. I'll know by your countenance next week if you did it. Again, I think part of the fear of drawing close to God is is He's going to reject us like everybody else has. But can I tell you something? He will never do that. He will never do that. And part of our human struggle is is we think that we have to be clean in order to come before Him. I I know so many people who haven't come to God because they think that they got to get their act together. Well, you can't get your act together without Him. So come to Him. You know? If you'll come to Him, then He'll start leading you. He'll start guiding you. He'll bring people into your life that'll help you. That will speak life to you. Speak wisdom to you. And then you'll start to the progression of uh, from an infant to maturity. Because that's what God wants for us. We're born again, so we're babes in Christ. We're infants. And then He'll start taking care of us. You know, uh, There's no infant that has made it on its own. Once it's born, if somebody isn't involved in that infant's life, it's not going to make it. The same in the spiritual realm. If you don't have people in your life, you're not going to make it. And even as you get older, you still need to have people in your life. You know, it's kind of like this thought that we have. We're going to get clean before God, and so because we're not clean, then we can't come before Him. And we have that same mentality after we get saved. But the truth is, is just come to him and let him take care of it. You know? So here's the picture that I have. We're like 
people who go fishing. And we catch a fish. Do you know there has never been a clean fish that has come out of the water when you have caught it? Never. There never will be. And yet we think in our mindset, in our arrogance, that we have to be clean before we come to God. We come to Christ as we are and He accepts us as we are because of Jesus' sacrifice. Not anything that we've done. And He, he, he doesn't even like what you've done. Okay? And we only come to salvation when we're convinced that He doesn't like us in the condition that we're in. But He wants to get us to Jesus so that Jesus can make the difference in our life. Okay, And so it's Him that starts to clean us up, but it's all of this is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. God knows what He's doing. If you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, please. When we accept Jesus at salvation, if everything goes right, and we work with the Holy Spirit and with God, then He starts working with us. We start growing. We start maturing little by little. We start obeying little by little. And then we're drawing closer to Him. We're understanding Him more and more. Carrie even shared about that at Christmas time and stuff. And, but then we begin to draw close to Him and then we get transformed. And then He starts cleaning us up. You know, I can't tell you how many people... I know that wouldn't come to church because they smoke. And I'm like, look, that's the least of your worries. You don't have to stop smoking in order to come to Christ or come to church. How dumb are we? And I've told people this. I said, look, when God gets tired of the puff of smoke in His face from you, He'll deal with you. You can try and quit on your own. You might make it. And if you do, great. But, you know, if you let Him help you, you'll make it. And then I want to close with these Scriptures to remind you that he finds us at our worst condition and still loves us. And so if He finds us at our worst condition and still loves us, how much more does He love us now when we come to Him? By faith. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, says this. Ephesians 2.1 And you, if I say me, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. Okay, so all of us have lived there. 
Okay? In the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So, does that paint a good picture of you? No. That's not a good picture of you. You did whatever you wanted to do. You did it with an attitude that was not good. You were rebellious. You thought you were somebody and you were nobody. Uh, Verse 4. But God. Everybody say, but God. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us. Now, you see, we need to pause there. Because of His mercy. And why does He have mercy? Because of the great love with which He loved us. All right, look at your neighbor and say, He really loves you. Now look at your neighbor and say, But He really loves me. I was going to say more, but you know, if, if you said it, that's all right. See, some of y'all were thinking that too. Verse 5. Now, he's rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when, verse 5, everybody say, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. So even though we were, he found us in the worst possible condition that we could be in, He made us alive with Christ because He loves us. By grace you have been saved and and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, so what are the coming ages? Your life. He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. If I say the gift of God. So you didn't earn it. He just gave it to you. Alright? Not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so... I want you to know this, and I've said this before, but let's kind of put it in context. God isn't afraid of our past. Not according to Ephesians chapter 2. He's not afraid of our past. And if He's not afraid of our past, we don't have to be afraid of our past. And in saying that, I want you to know it's okay to draw close to Him. He wants you to draw close to Him. You don't have to have everything all together before you draw close to Him. Go with me to Colossians chapter 2, please. We need to rest in the truth and in this hope that He found us in the worst condition that we could be in and He still loves us. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 13. And you, everybody say, and me. (laughs) 
who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your faith, our flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. All. Everybody say all. Past, present, and future. That's all. This is how he did it. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. The enemy will come to you when you're saved and you start drawing close to God. The enemy will come to you and he will tell you all of your faults. He has a list of all of your failures, all of your what did I call them earlier? Stupid decisions or dumb decisions? He has a list of all of those and he'll remind you of them. And he'll say, he doesn't want to spend time with you. You have to know Colossians chapter 2 and say, oh, wait a minute. He does. I'm almost done. So I know we're going late, but you know, we had a great service. He's forgiven us. All you have to say is, devil, he's forgiven me. God, here I am. Bring it on. Let's go to John chapter 3. And while you're making your way to John chapter 3, I just want you to know that as believers, our best days are ahead of us because God loves us. And He's for us. And He's prepared good works for us. And when you die, you'll get to be with Him and you don't have to worry about your sin nature anymore. John 3.16 Hello. Anybody hear that today? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. So what is your hesitation in coming before Him? When we come before God, I'm here to tell you, we heard it earlier because God wants us to get this. God does not want us to draw near to Him so that He can condemn us. That's not His MO. He wants us to come before Him so that He can reassure us of His love. And we have it backwards. We have, we have already determined because we're living According to what we see and hear and understand and what we've done. And we think that, oh, he's just going to condemn us. All he's going to do is speak bad about. No, he's not. He's not. As great as verse 16 is, we need to get 17 and 18. Because 18 says this, whoever believes in him is not condemned. So don't be afraid of drawing near to Him thinking He's going to be mean to you. He's not. He's going to love on you. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 14. I'm going to read these quick so we can go. Ephesians 3.14. 
For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love. He wants us rooted and grounded in love. His love for us. And I just want to ask you, are you rooted and grounded in His love? Because the best life that you're going to live is being rooted and grounded in His love for us. And Paul's praying this. And then he adds this in verse 18. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says this. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. Everybody say right now. Okay. And the life I live, I now live in the flesh. I live by faith. Everybody say by faith. In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Look at your neighbor and say, he really, really loves you. Now tell him, he really, really loves me. Matthew 8.36 says this. For what, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? I'm closing with that because I want us to get this. The enemy is going to put distractions in front of you to get you not to draw near to God so that God can love you. He's going to lie to you like he always has. And when he speaks, that's the only thing he knows how to speak are lies. So when he tells you, when you're getting ready to draw close to God and he starts reminding you of all your problems, all your failures, all your mistakes, and you're not worthy, you just say, oh, thanks for the confirmation. You're a liar. If you're telling me I'm not worthy, then I know that God has made me worthy. If you're telling me I can't draw close to him because of all these things, then I know that I can because he's forgiven me. Woo! Try that on. Stand with me if you will, please. I just want to encourage you to spend that time with God this week and make it a, your ambition to spend time with God instead of seeking after all the things that you think are going to make you happy. And let Him just love you and bring healing to our hearts and minds. Because we need it. We need it. Father, we do thank You for this day and the love that You have for us. And we thank You for Your for this time, this day that we had to be able to be together and to be in your presence during worship, Father. And we thank you for the, the healing, the miracles that you did in our hearts and in our minds during that worship time. But Father, I also thank you for your word and I thank you for the truth of your word. And Father, I pray that we would be a people who stand 
on the truth of your word. And we're willing to draw close to you, Father. And find the love that you have for us. Rest in the love that you have for us. Enjoy the love that you have for us. Because you really, really, really do love us. And we're so grateful for that. And we give you all the praise and all the glory for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And amen. All right, be blessed.